I don't know how long this took you to do this card uh, it took me the guts of four days to get through this pay-per-view <laughs> I did it all in one go <laughs> holy shit I don't know how you did it <laughs> I took a break for dinner but I probably should have taken more breaks <laughs> man you're sadist like this was this was this was bad like I had fond memories of this pay-per-view right yeah and uh well, we'll get into it, but Jesus Christ, some of these matches, man, it was just, it brought back a flood of emotions about WCW and just how bad it can get. Some of these matches, you mean like seven out of nine of them? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's that's probably what I've got down here. Um, uh, all right, well, we're recording anyway, so that'll be our that'll be our intro. Welcome to the Wrestle Blast podcast. My name's. David Cardiff and joining me is of course is Andre Wakefield. Um, how you doing, man? Have you had a good week or a good two weeks since I last spoke? Pretty good week. Pretty good week. Yeah, it's Halloween season, so it's kind of spooky. It's always kind of exciting this time of the year with uh, horror movies and like candy and people decorating houses and stuff like that. So absolutely, yeah. I watched Halloween the other night there, the original nineteen sixty eight. I watched the new one, Halloween Kills, and uh, oh. you watched the better movie, so let's just put it that way. <laughs> I heard that they did some pretty cool stuff with uh, Dr. Loomis, uh, that they had like some kind of fake Dr. Loomis in it. Is that Yeah, they actually had a flashback scene uh, dating back to 1978, and it's actually filmed, they use, I don't know if they use some kind of special cameras or what, but it looks like actual archive footage. Mm. from that time period and they did have dr loomis um uh, donald pleasance i think his actor's name yes that's right yeah. um yeah they they did you know how like in the in the marvel movies they had one the scene in one of the later movies where tony stark is like a teenager but it's actually robert downey jr they did some kind of similar thing oh cool so, yeah it, it looked it like donald good... pleasance. it didn't save the movie no no i'm not gonna say it's a terrible movie but it just feels very unnecessary it's 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 an obvious mm. bridge till the next movie, so I mean it's it's worth a watch, but it's it's it didn't blow me away. It's it's not nearly as good as uh, the previous one from 2018. Okay, I haven't actually seen that one either. Oh, is that, that the one, remake? That is it? Uh, it's just called Halloween, but it's actually a sequel to the original movie. It erases everything that came after the original movie, and it's a direct <laughs> sequel to it. So that one's surprise, definitely surprise. Worth yeah. Watch. Yeah. 
yeah, there were some pretty terrible movies in uh, the Halloween series, much like Jason and much like Freddy. They've all just got like a series of really bad movies that followed the original, which was great. Much like the Aliens movies, which has like maybe, well, the first two, and then it just steadily goes downhill rapidly, well, rapidly after after that. Yeah, I actually uh, see that poster on your wall, the Batman movies. I just rewatched mm. those. And it's kind of a similar story. The first two are like Alien and Aliens, and then the other two are like Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection, basically. They just go yeah. down. You know. Absolutely, yeah. They they didn't quite get around to the... There was going to be another one in that series. Uh, I forget the name of it, but I remember seeing the logo. It was like a pink logo. Um, and they didn't... Yeah, so there was going to be one after Batman and Robin. Um Thankfully, it never got produced. Same director as well. I think it was something Schumacher. I can't yeah, remember Joel his name. Yeah. Joel Schumacher. Yeah, yeah, not not great. Like, uh, great movies for bollocks. If you want to see a bit of bollocks, watch some WCW and watch Batman Forever and Batman. And <laughs> Robin, they're they're all pretty shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I you know I started watching I started watching uh, the Foundation on Apple TV. I don't know if you've seen this. I don't know no? what that is. No. It's surprisingly high budget. I love sci-fi and stuff, and mm. like I was really blown away by this. The storyline's a bit, yeah, it's a bit shaky, but the graph, you know, the, the special effects and stuff is really cool. And there's some really interesting elements of the story, but super high budget science fiction has replaced my my Westworld, which I enjoyed for many years there of just science fiction. So, okay, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I'm that's not what really... I've been watching. I'm not really into TV shows or series, especially when they have a lot of episodes, because I just, mm. I don't know, I kind of for, I forget what I watched three days ago, and it's all just becomes a blur. But I did watch Squid Game. I don't oh, know okay. how popular that is in Ireland, but here it's... Oh, it's everywhere. Movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great show. I loved it. I recommend it to everyone who who's not too squeamish. <laughs> yeah, I see. I I don't know. I'm not a big fan of sort of torture style entertainment, oh, yeah. so I didn't watch it. But my uh, my wife was watching it. She seemed to be intrigued by it, so she was giving it a watch. She's more into her horror films and stuff. Like you know, when she when she was a girl, um, like her parents just let her watch anything. So her favorite f movie to this day is is Jaws, and we have like a bunch of Jaws posters up around the house and stuff, like movie posters mm -hmm. and stuff. It, I, I can't remember how many times I've seen it but if I've seen it like 10, 13 times I wouldn't be surprised and I'm sure she's seen it in the region of about 70 so oh, yeah. Yeah. she's a big horror fan I'm I'm not so much so yeah we all have that nostalgic childhood movie for me it's the original Mortal Kombat I've seen it over a hundred times <laughs> awesome yeah me and some me and some buddies got together on a Friday night a wee while ago and watched that because we um, we watched the new one um, which I really enjoyed, thought it was great, and we also watched the new animated film, uh, Scorpion's Revenge, I think it was yeah, called. That one. Yeah, There's actually that a, a new animated one, um, it's about Luke Kang, I believe, but I haven't seen that one yet. But oh, yeah, okay. the Scorpion one was good. I have to get right on that then, awesome. Um, well, I guess anything else happened before we, I can't, I, I really can't put this off for too long, I guess. Um. <laughs> No, let's just, just jump into it. Oh, man. Um, well, because we're going back to 1997, I do have a few notes about 1997, which I thought might bring a bit of, you know, might might lighten the mood a bit before we sort of get stuck into WCW. Um, okay. Just what was sort of happening in and around 1997. I don't know if you sort of had a look yourself. What what age were you in, in 97, if you don't mind me asking? 
I'm sorry, what? What did you say? What, what age were you in 1997? What age? Uh, I was six, almost turning seven. I turned seven at the end of 1997. Oh, jeepers, right. So I was, I was 14, so I was... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm aware of what was out in 1997, but there are some really good stuff that came out that year. Um, it was Small the year. Combat Annihilation, that was one. <laughs> well, it was the. So um, I grew up in, in London. Um, my family are all from, you know, Ireland. Um, and that was the year we moved back to Northern Ireland. Um, so 1997 represents a bit of a bit of a milestone, I guess, in, in my life. Um, so at this stage, I was. Uh, yeah, I'd moved over to Northern Ireland, but what was in the top 10? I am um, this is always something I love looking at going back to when we were doing the previous reviews and stuff like gotta, when we did Slammerine again. It's oh, gotta be. Not a single sign of her in the UK or American charts because oh, really? I did, yeah, I did, I did think uh, about checking out both of them. I'll start with the UK charts because. Okay. I, I'd be surprised if you know a lot of these ones. I don't know some of them, so this this will be interesting. Um, <clears throat> starting at number ten, Chumbawamba with Tub Thumping. Have you ever heard this one? Was this ever I've in America? Chumbawamba. I'm not Ch sure. Oh, you if, have. If I hear the song, I'll probably recognize it. Okay. Well. Can listen, you can listen back to the podcast and I'll splice Insert a little bit of Chumbawamba. <laughs> Insert songs here. Uh, number nine in the UK charts was LL Cool J with Phenomenon. Uh, we had Backstreet Boys with As Long As You Love Me. I don't know if Backstreet Boys made it to... Oh no, they were American, weren't they? I'm thinking of Westlife and all those boy bands from, the, from, from Ireland here. We had uh, Entrance featuring Rod Stewart with Do You Think I'm Sexy. Um, Dario G with... Uh, Sunchime, never heard of him. I, I might recognise the tune. I don't know. Oh, maybe I'll splice. Right, don't <laughs> yeah, there's a lot in this list. It's only really three or four songs in this I remember. Um, Party People Friday Night was at number five by Nine One One. We had Sash with Stay, and then we had number three, Something About the Way You Look slash Candle in the Wind uh, by Elton John. Um, because 1997 in August was when Princess Diana passed away. She was oh, yeah. killed, essentially, in that car crash. Um, and then we had Spice Girls with Spice Up Your Life at number two, and then Aqua with Barbie Girl at number one. What Everybody knows that one. It, it will live on forever like a cockroach. Um, so American charts, a little bit different. Um, few, few same sort of things. We had Semi-Charmed at number 10, A Semi-Charmed Life by Third Eye Blind. Um, we had Something for the People featuring Trina and Tamara. Um, my Love is the Shh. And then we had Jewel at number eight, Foolish Games slash You Weren't You Were Meant for Me. We had Backstreet Boys again at number seven. We had Mariah Carey at number six with Honey. I had Allure featuring 112. I've never heard of these guys. Oh, 112, uh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, That's an R&B group, yeah. Oh, right, okay. And then Boys to Men with Four Seasons of Loneliness at number four. Um, we had Leanne Rhymes, of course, like it was the 90s, so you had to have Leanne Rhymes in the American charts, I'm sure, at some stage. Um, with How Do I Live, and Usher at number two, and then we had Elton John at number one, because I think that just took over pretty much the world. I'm pretty sure um, we've got a week here where he wasn't at number one on this date, in, which, by the way, was the 26th of October. Um, so 
that's when this is a, this this pay per view is taking place. So that's that's the charts for then. When did um, Titanic come out? Because I swear, uh, my heart will go on. Should be number number top ten at least. Um, let's have a quick Google because maybe it came I've, out late in the year. No, it was nineteen ninety seven. It came out in wow. Um, actually, twenty third of January nineteen ninety eight. So we're a little oh. bit shy of it. Maybe it came out in America a little bit before that, or maybe the soundtrack did, but I guess it didn't really hit until January. So yeah, there you okay, go. that makes sense then. We dodged the bullet. Movie releases wise, then that sort of ties in quite nicely. There wasn't really anything major um, at this that, at this date. Um, I did look in and around sort of twenty sixth to see what was out on the weekend of the the pay-per-view and there wasn't really anything i recognized the wind and the willows came out on october 30th we had tower of terror um which was based on the disney ride i think hmm. or from something like that yeah i i haven't heard of it either with live flesh i'd never heard of either it's not it's not a porn list i'm looking at it is an actual movie apparently um and then we had under wraps so this is a grim weekend for movie releases uh nothing apart from that but video game wise this was this was interesting um in and around this date i couldn't pinpoint like an exact date uh, or exact like time frames for some of these games but um because it'll be it'll be different for america compared to like the uk and stuff but we had like goldeneye 007 come out in 97 we had final fantasy 7 which is a big game for me the same week not in the same week, in the same oh, year. Okay. I'm just generalizing oh, yeah. the video game releases for this year, but we had Fallout number one, uh, called a post nuclear role playing game. Grand Theft Auto one came out this year. Um, we had Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which is one of the best Castlevania games. Um, we had Tekken three, which is one of the best Tekken oh, wow. games. I didn't realize Tekken three was that old. I thought it was like 1999 or something. Yeah, I mean, it still holds up today, so yeah. it's it's one of the legit best fighting games I think it's ever come out. Um, yep. With Doom, Doom 64 on the N64 as well, um, with Lilat Wars for the N64, Mortal Kombat 4, Oh yeah, I don't remember at all, but apparently there it is. Um, and that's pretty, largely it. There is a lot more games out there, like Tomb Raider 2 came out that year, but I'm not too sure on the date. I think that was at the start of a year, and then a few other ones like Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey. So there was quite a few quite a few games that came out that year that sort of still, I think, are favorably remembered by a lot of people, myself included. I had a lot of those, so... No wrestling games that year? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe you would have had like WWF attitude. I had Warzone or or Warzone. It was possibly one of the two. I'm trying to remember when WCW uh, World Tour came out. Because Revenge came out the following year. Yeah, I'm not too sure. WCW World Tour. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I actually don't know when that came out. World Hmm. Tour. Oh, it was WCW versus NWO World Tour. That's why I was yeah. looking at the wrong thing. 30th of November, actually, so not too long after um, this then. Oh, so, okay. yeah, the next, the, ne- the following month, almost to okay. a month, um, came out of this. And, it, yeah, it's it's a pretty pretty awesome game, that one. I remember playing that. I played um, WWF No Mercy, so that was my sort of bread and butter, I think, not long after that. Okay. I didn't really tend to bother with the WCW games, but, yeah. 
So what on topic of, of WCW <laughs> games, I actually used WCW NWO Revenge to record the matches for this review. So oh, it was actually wow. very exciting. Uh, let me just tell you this. I had the computer simulate the matches, and the show the, the game put on for me was 100 times better than the real show. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh, man, fair play to you. <laughs> yeah, it actually, I like the way it turned out. They had most, they had the actual arena in the game, and they had most of the people in it. So, it, and even the outfits too. So it works great. And it, I don't want to use 2K every, every week. That's oh yeah. Downloading uh, everybody for all in, it took me four days to download everyone, and Jesus. set everything up. And I'm just like, I can't do this every week. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it switches up the games for the footage. It's, it gives it some variety. Yeah, fair enough. Fair play to you for setting up an yeah. emulator. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Okay, so we're gonna have to get into the pay per view then, the pay per view portion, shall we say? Yeah, I know you're trying to put it off, but we gotta get into it. I'll do it. So yeah, October twenty sixth, nineteen ninety seven, WCW Halloween Havoc. Tonight, the world of wrestling will change forever. What you gonna do? I'm gonna put him out the pasture with the rest of the fossils. The time is here. Who in the hell do you think you are, Piper? I'm the boss. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time. I will chew up Hulk Hogan from head to toe. And I'm the man that is the only god in this ring. Slim Jim presents WCW's Halloween Havoc. Alright, so the show starts with an intro package for Piper vs. Hogan, um, and this is pretty much the tale of the entire night, is Piper vs. Hogan. Doesn't matter what match you're tuning into, you will hear that somebody mention Piper vs. Hogan. Yeah. Um, we had in the package, which I found, I did take a note of this, I did try and watch this as much as I could to get out, to get everything out of it. Hulk Hogan says he's going to put Piper out to pasture with the rest of the fogies. What age do you think Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper were at this stage? Without looking. <laughs> Not looking. Uh, gotta be early 40s. Okay, yeah. So what age do you think Hogan was? Hogan, I'm going to say 42. Piper, maybe 40. Okay, you're not too far off. Hulk Hogan was 44. Okay. And Roddy Piper was 43. So Hulk Hogan, oh. let me just read that line again. Hulk Hogan says he's going to put Piper out to pasture with the rest of the fogies. <laughs> Piper <laughs> is younger than Hogan. Um, and to put it into con like perspective for like modern wrestling fans who don't obviously, you know, because like, I mean, people have been born in 1997 who have never lived through this, this the, you know, the original WCW stuff. Hulk Hogan is the same age now or was the same age at that stage um, as AJ Styles is now and Jeff Hardy 
they are both 44 years old. So think think of that when we're re- recapping this final match in this card. <laughs> um, well, it, honestly, like when you compare it like that, AJ and Jeff Hardy, and even throw Bobby Lashley in there because I believe he's 45. Yeah, something they like 45 are, or 46. They just look much younger and they can perform much better. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but yeah, both of these guys look pretty. Uh, I mean, Piper looked pretty good in this, which we'll get to, but um, Hogan was looking a wee bit tired, should we say. Um, and CM Punk is 42, so Roddy yeah. Piper is closest of age to him, so mm-hmm. kind of amazing. I mean, I think Punk's starting to look his age, but uh, yeah, still going well. I also think guys nowadays are keeping themselves in better shape, and they're, they're not doing as many drugs, and they're just they're yeah. doing a lot of yoga, that DDP yoga. And <laughs> I think guys in general nowadays are just healthier, so that's why they can go longer. Yeah, I think they're not hanging about in bars. Um, they're hanging about backstage playing video games. Uh, yeah. As, as is the style now. Uh, so... We're in Las Vegas for this pay-per-view. There's 12,457 in attendance at the MGM Grand. So this is a big, this is a big day. Like I mean, compared to sort of modern day wrestling, where they're in sort of 2,000 to 3,000, maybe three and a half thousand seat arenas for like the sort of you know the the normal stuff all out there. Just just past had what was it we were talking about? It was over 10,000 or 10, something. 000, or all yeah. in. Yeah, all all in was just over ten, just over ten thousand. So this is a big arena, um, and I know that uh, I believe that AEW have run the MGM Grand in the past, or uh, I don't know WWE have probably done uh, it at some stage. So it's AEW recently did a, I think the rampage they did with Punk was about twenty thousand, but I may be wrong. Yeah, so I mean, it looked great on 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 TV and sounded great. So oh yeah, I uh, love when WWE did these panning shots of the crowd. Mm. It always looked like there was about a hundred thousand people in there whenever they did those <laughs> overhead Absolutely. shots. Uh, we have Shiovani and Heenan and Dream on comms. So Tony, uh, it's good seeing sort of young Tony here uh, yeah. and, and hearing the the enthusiasm and some of the stuff he had to say about this. Uh, and we'll get into some of Dr- Dusty's uh, commentary. He wasn't as bad as I. Like I, I have vivid memories of Dusty just talking shit, yeah, pretty much for two and a half hours. But he wasn't too bad in this one. Yeah, I noticed that too. When I first saw Dusty, I was kind of like, ah, I wasn't looking forward to it. But I, he never really <laughs> he bothered got the me. Fear. <laughs> yeah, he never bothered me this show, so that's good. Yeah. Um. So kicking the show off, we have Yuji Nagata with Sonny Ono. Um. And we, <laughs> Nagata, I, I have a note here. It just says Nagata comes out to like Roadhouse music. Um, oh, yeah. obviously back in the day like and we've you know we've seen uh, uh, Slambury 1998 we reviewed in the past and a lot of the Japanese wrestlers get oriental music the, the most racist oriental music you can imagine so hearing uh, hearing Yuji Nagata come out to like this roadhouse sort of rockabilly style music was kind of kind of amazing and Yuji Nagata I mean he looks I would say in better shape now than he did in 1997 he obviously looked younger but when he had a match recently with john moxley and yes. the dude still looks great yeah he looked great i was gonna say he was on dynamite a month or so ago and yeah he looked great yeah his face was younger in this clip of 1997 yeah. halloween havoc but other than that yeah body's still the same uh we, we <laughs> nagata comes out in what appears to be like hockey pads 
Um, I'd say his ring gear has definitely improved because he's ditched all of this nonsense. Um, he had like a hockey pad chest plate and he had these little sort of cufflinks as well, yeah. little little gold cufflinks and stuff. He just looked absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and we have Sonny O'Neill with a really early uh, selfie. Did you yeah. notice this on the internet? So I was like, well, holy shit, this dude's taking a selfie with a, yeah, a disposable I rem- camera. I remember he did that with some of whoever he was managing at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's done that with Ultimo Dragon and uh, the cat also, Ernest mm-hmm. Miller. Yeah. So yeah, um, he's wh- the OG selfie guy. He is, yeah. He's like the, <laughs> the in- inventor of the selfie. Uh, what, what I I don't know if you noticed this, but I really found funny was when Nagata comes out with, with Sonny Ono and there's Pyro in the background and he's like looking around him going, what's going on? It's like he's probably never had Pyro <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and that that's kind of like the story for a lot of the, the the people on this card is everyone seemed to get pyro for no apparent reason. The pyro is so random in the VCW; it's just ridiculous. Uh, so we have Ultimo Dragon out next. So he he did he didn't escape some of the uh, the the ethnic music. Should we say he got what I described as Oriental Mexican music. Um, for his for his entrance ramp, uh, he didn't slip as well, which is good. So it's always yeah. nice to see Ultimo Dragon. Well, he's like a um, Japanese luchador. That's he is, why. Yeah, that's that's it exactly. Um, so we had Mike Tanay joining uh, Tony and the others on commentary here, which I was. Mike Tanay is like the one of the MVPs of this show. I will say from off yeah. the bat, I just one, think he's tremendous. One quote that stood out to me was from Bobby Heenan. I forget which match it was in, but he was like. Is there anything you don't know, Tanay? You know everything. <laughs> and it's and true. he really did. He yeah. really did. I don't know if he had like some kind of ring binder with him for like the age, because obviously he didn't have a tablet or a computer. So I don't know if he had like some kind of binder filled with statistics on all these guys, or if he just remembered it. But he probably had uh, some postcards or something done before the match. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's why he's known the professor. He's very knowledgeable about like Mexican and Japanese wrestling. And this is an absolute display on t- for the first portion of this card. Mike Tanay, th- thankfully, yeah. uh, I'm sure he was thinking ducks the- or dodges a bullet with some of the later matches. But um, this match was okay, I'll say off the bat. Um, lots of fast uh, kicks, lovely kicks at start, some leg sweeps by Dragon. Uh, Tanay, I've just got notes here saying Tanay is great and talks about this match being a big deal for uh, paydays down the line, not just for now. Um, as well as, as well as going through like Ultimo Dragon's history and his history with the, the I think it was the J Cup and stuff and the the junior heavyweight heavyweight belts and stuff. Oh yeah, um, they mentioned all those in that infamous photo where he's holding like twelve title belts. <laughs> yeah, they they brought that up. They did, yeah. Uh, Nagata hits him with a, a lovely T-bone suplex. Um, not long after the start, he gets lots of stiff kicks by Nagata, pile drivers, suplexes. There's a possibly a I, I had a note here because normally when we're doing WCW shows, there's some kind of fight in the crowd. And so I started to write down here, there must be a fight in the crowd. Half the crowd are looking to their right and you can hear a ruckus. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote the word ruckus and I'm not like 50. But, um, <laughs> and then I, I put edit, it's Raven. <laughs> That's right. I was going to say, I didn't notice any fights, but yes, the Raven and his flock came down. I was just getting too for, too excited. I was like, I was bound to be a fight here in the crowd. For or something no apparent on. reason. All they did was come down, and that's it. 
Yeah, I mean, spoiler alert, he literally does nothing the entire night. He just sits in the crowd. He gets paid to sit there. Yeah. So we have a beautiful Asai Moonsault by Dragon, uh, which is one of his trademark moves, I guess. Uh, Nagata blocks a handspring elbow with a knee to the back of Dragon, which looked awesome. We had a powerbomb by Dragon off the turnbuckle for a near fall. There was a Moonsault by Dragon. There was a release suplex by Nagata, which looked great. Uh, and then we had some great sort of, uh, uh, it's like a heel hook, uh, the Nagata lock, I think he was calling it at the time. Uh, we had lots of hard slaps in this match. There was a Frankensteiner by Dragon. Uh, and Dream, I noted at this point, Dream keeps calling him Ultimate Dragon. I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't notice that, but in WCW, I think his name went back and forth a lot. Because in some, mm-hmm. even in some video games, I believe his name is Ultimate Dragon. Mm-hmm. In some WCW games, and I don't know why that is. Oh, okay, I they just couldn't... always thought he was Ultimo Dragon. I didn't know he had like a ultimate, yeah, the some... ultimate dragon. It was a WCW thing. I don't know. They also like changed the spelling of Eddie Guerrero's name a lot, and Psychosis's name, and Rey Mysterio's name. They changed them a lot for some reason. It's Make it really weird for for they... people to raid in 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 America, maybe I, or maybe I don't know. <laughs> Uh, the end of this match comes when and uh, basically Nagata taps Dragon out with an arm bar because he'd been working on the arm across the match and uh, yeah, they said Mike he had today, like broken he had like chipped bones or something in his elbow they said yeah at one stage Mike Tanay basically just went on this rant about how great Dragon was and how he was fighting injured with uh, bone chips in his arms is what he kept mentioning oh, yeah. so Nagata quite rightly was going for the uh, going for the arms so they told a nice enough story across the whole thing and uh, yeah I, I thought it was decent enough I give it uh, I was a little trying to be a little bit more sort of you know conservative with my uh, my star ratings this time for the for the old uh, grapple rating because I will be sticking these into grapple okay. um so I give it three stars. Oh, what did okay. You, what did you so give? this is the first match where I actually give a higher rating than you. Oh, wow. totally shit. <laughs> so I actually really enjoyed this. I was surprised by this. It was very hard hitting nonstop action and they hit each other so hard. And that WCW ring, it always made that wonderful sound that they're just hitting like a bunch of rocks or something. <laughs> always love the sound of WCW ring. But yeah, this was... Really fast-paced, very hard-hitting. Um, I don't know. Like, I just really enjoyed it. I give it three and a half. That's, That's good. not too far off. That's yeah. not too far. Yeah, this this match was very enjoyable, as you say. I think I agree with everything there. It it went. It, it only lasted nine minutes and forty-two seconds, but it felt like it was a little bit longer. Um, yeah, didn't I didn't really stay its welcome. My only complaint is it's not really a complaint, but it's just like, what is the point of this match? Like, this just seems like a random nitro match uh there doesn't seem Mm. to be any story or heat behind it it was just kind of it probably wasn't even advertised up until the show so it just seems kind of random at the time yeah Yeah. as was the wcw style at the time was just basically chuck loads of matches onto a card and don't tell anyone about them because you know people might tune in to watch it uh it was it was good this is during the time period where uh, WCW had their relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling so that's why you're getting a couple of matches with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestlers on this and WCW would do the same thing they would send people to New Japan to wrestle uh, mm-hmm. obviously the whole sort of NWO gimmick was basically stolen out of uh, I think it was uh, N- oh, was it New Japan 
Japan All Wrestling or something. I'm not too all, familiar. All, AJPW All Japan. All Japan yes, yeah. All Japan. That's the one. I think it was All Japan anyway. Um, so they had this relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. They would send wrestlers across, except a lot of the wrestlers that went across were not as big a deal, I think, at the time as some of the New Japan Pro Wrestlers that got sent across. So, yeah. you know, it is. It, it was what it was. It was Bischoff being a bit cheeky. Uh, moving on, because there is a lot of matches on this card. A lot yeah. of them are not needed. I think this is maybe the second ba- best match on this card was the Ultimate uh, Ultimo uh, Dragon and uh, uh, I agree. Eugene Nagata match. Yeah, I agree. So we go backstage, uh, as we do a couple of times here, and we've got Disco Inferno talking smack about wrestling a woman. Uh, which I didn't rec- remember this at all, but Miss Jacqueline comes in and Dusty loses his mind. <laughs> he thinks this is the, one of the best things in the world is a woman chasing off a man. He can't get over this. This is like you've you've told him that you've you've told him that you've created sliced bread. He was like, oh, this is this is amazing. I can't believe I can't believe this. Uh, and, <laughs> And we, we get onto that match. Jesus, I've I've not much good to say about that. But can't wait. <laughs> we move on to our our next match, which is Ghetto versus Lionheart Chris Jericho. Uh, this was a surprise for me. I don't again. I didn't look up the match card before I watched this. I just went into this and thought I'll just sit down and watch this and see what happens. So when I saw Ghetto coming out, I was like, "Holy shit!" I don't remember like, seeing Ghetto on WCW. Um, I, I guess have no you idea who Ghetto is. <laughs> okay, okay. So, like, I don't know. I don't, I'm not the best person to talk to about, like, historical sort of big, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling characters, but um, Ghetto is the current New Japan booker. He's been booking New oh. Japan since 2010. So it's a bit of a big deal. That's where I know him from anyway. You know, I started watching yeah. New Japan probably from like 2011 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so seeing him, and he always used to come out, I think, with Okada. Um, he was sort of like his manager. Uh, so I couldn't believe seeing Ghetto here, and I couldn't believe the state of him. <laughs> he, looked like he, a, like? he looked like a mustard bottle. <laughs> I, re- I wrote here, uh, Ghetto looking like Slim Shady in pajamas and bowling shoes. It's the best I could come up with. I he, thought for the he time, looked like he looked like Pikachu. He was just yellow head to toe. <laughs> he had little rosy cheeks on him that have been isn't a little tail. He, he did have some red on the back of his shirt, so maybe that was the rosy cheeks. <laughs> oh, by uh, the way, Pokemon did come out in 1997. So, oh, okay, well, in Japan at least, yeah. So. so maybe he was rocking some kind of Pikachu gimmick. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Uh, he. Uh, I did note here that Y2J came out to Chris Jericho, so it was dubbed the version wow, I was the, watching. The break I, I the walls get. down, yeah. Yeah, they stuck in uh, Break the Walls over the top of uh, his amazing Pearl Jam rip-off music that they had at the time. Uh, we get a full history with Mike Tanay uh, about Jericho and Ghetto's past rivalry, because obviously they'd wrestled before in the past in New Japan, or at least in Japan. I'm not too, too sure if it was New Japan. Uh, this was... I mean, I don't have too much to say about this match, in all honesty. Uh, it was a solid match, but it wasn't really anything spectacular, I don't think. Uh, Heenan, Heenan uh, Bobby Heenan, actually sounded really good. And one thing I was sort of a bit worried about when we were sort of going back to review this was... I just been, I remember like the, one of the last times I watched the WCW show and just being kind of like 
angry at the commentators for just taking the piss out of some of the wrestlers but Bobby Heenan here was actually really good and had lots of positive things to say about the wrestlers which was really nice nothing winds yeah. me up more than commentators basically just ridiculing what they're saying in the ring and and here I did note that he was actually really good and had, did add something to it and Dusty did as well Dusty had a few comments where he was really kind of blown away by what he was sort of seeing in the ring especially during that first match yeah there was a, I, man, I love this move that Jericho used to do, the double powerbomb. He did this on Ghetto at one yeah. stage, and it just looked great. I remember always doing it in like one of the original SmackDown games, and oh, this is tremendous. Uh, we get a horrific, I've underlined this, Super Frankensteiner, which <laughs> Tanae desperately covers for. Did you see the state of this thing? It was, uh, it was just so scary. I'm surprised Jericho didn't die. Uh, but yeah, the the commentators did a pretty good job covering it. Yeah, and they even showed replays of it. Which... Oh my, yeah, I I have I have that at the end here. They replay the botch, and I've got it in brackets. I, I just couldn't believe it. They were replaying this horrific botch. Um, the match isn't too too long. It's it's shorter than the first match. We get a lion tamer, which is the best version, uh, the best submission yes. finisher. I think that's what uh, I have by, by Jericho. It's it is unbelievable looking. It just looks so painful to watch and i i loved looking i loved seeing it again um it was, was an okay match i was hoping that jericho would use the line tamer in AEW because a lot of most of his opponents are a lot smaller now than they were in wwe so it, obviously he, he couldn't do it to like kane and the rock it would look really mm. silly but now that he's wrestling smaller guys i was hoping he would bring it back but unfortunately he didn't but yeah this line tamer just breaks my back looking at it yeah, I'm surprised nobody's stolen it. I'm sure that somebody has stolen it since then, but I think it's just one of the best-looking finishing moves ever, or at least submission moves. Yeah. Uh, this this match was very short. It was only it was only uh, seven minutes and eighteen seconds. I gave it one point seven five stars. Um, just a botch really brought it down. Uh, it was fun seeing Ghetto. It was fun seeing uh, Jericho, who also hit a Judas effect in the uh, match as well. Because remember, he used oh, yeah. to do a spinning back elbow. Um, which I think was just like a standard move for him, but now obviously yeah. it's he's he's not as mobile as he used to be, so that's his that's his new finisher. What do you yeah, think of the match? Uh, well? At first, I thought it was an average match, but then that massive botch brought it down for me. So I'm giving it two stars out of five. Uh, oh. Another kind of random one. Not really. I wasn't really feeling it, especially considering that Jericho, mm. one of the all-time greats, was in it. Yeah, absolutely. And his peak and his prime looked yeah. like a hundred. You know, he looked like a megastar, but uh, yeah, just not a particularly great match. Interesting story, though. Uh, I don't know if you caught this, but they said this was the special non-advertised match. <laughs> and from what I read, I don't, I don't know if this is true or not. But I read that actually, instead of this, it was supposed to be Goldberg versus Meng, but they changed it last minute. Interesting. Wonder why that was. Sounds believable because I mean I was surprised that Goldberg really had a very small part to play in this card, but I think they, pro we'll they probably but... just they probably just thought that Goldberg wasn't ready for pay per view yet because I believe he debuted only a couple mm -hmm. weeks before this. I mean, um, I was definitely scratching my head after seeing Goldberg on this card, but I mean, we'll, yeah. we'll certainly uh, we'll certainly talk about that. We go backstage. Mean Gene is interviewing Deborah about an upcoming match uh, and I wrote here apparently to settle her and Mongo's divorce 
it was so confusing. They didn't really give any backstory. There wasn't a sort of video package, of course, because it's Deborah and Mongo who yeah. could give two shits about them. Uh, but this is really confusing. But I, I understood by the end of the match, anyway, that's coming up later. Uh, so we move on to our main event of the card. <laughs> exactly, main event. <laughs> Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero in a mask versus uh, US Championship, I believe it was. Oh, it's Cruiserweight uh, Championship. Oh, Cruiserweight Championship. Yeah. Yes, yes. God God forbid they'd be given an actual proper belt. They were given the... Uh, the, uh, the 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 children's title. Well, they they give the cruiserweight belt to someone else later on, uh, but we'll talk about that when we get there. You certainly can. Yes, <laughs> we get. Uh, this is this is. I mean, this is definitely the match of the the entire card. Uh, you can pretty much disregard everything after this. <laughs> they could have just ended it here, and it would have been perfect. Uh, Eddie looks like all the money is the note I have about Eddie Guerrero swaggering down That's to the correct. ring. He looked unbelievable. This is my favorite iteration of Eddie Guerrero with the long hair. Yeah. He is jacked. Like he, this dude is built like a tank. Uh, and we get Rey Mysterio wearing that amazing purple Phantom, uh, the Phantom who walks gear. The I can't remember. He, all I remember him from was the Defenders of the Earth when I was a kid. It was a cartoon. Uh, but he looked just so so good. This this match, by the way, is really hard to to cover. I have put oh, yeah. some notes down here. I'll try and go through them. We'll see how well this, this ends up. Um, it was a very fast start. Uh, Eddie was pulling uh, Ray's legs from under the ring, so or under the ropes uh, early on, and he took like a really nasty bump to the outside onto the mats from it. Uh, Ray basically flips everywhere for Eddie at like 100 miles an hour for this match. It is incredible. This oh, is like... Backbreakers are brutal. He was flipping around him and Eddie was just sticking the knee out and Ray sold it like he was shot in the back and quite rightly because it looked brutal. Uh, we, I mean, the, the one thing I'll say about this crowd as well, they were into everything or at least most of everything and they were so hot during this match. You could yeah. see people leaping to their feet in the background during this one as Ray was doing like a lot of these spins and stuff because back in, in you know, 97... And, you know, you'd had luchadors and stuff and Ultimo Dragon had been around for a little while and they were slowly getting introduced, I guess, to American audiences. But this guy was like watching a comic book just come to life. It was so incredible. Uh, we get uh, springboard DDTs. There's a gory special after Eddie rips Ray's mask, just tears it by the eye. It was tremendous looking. Uh, Guerrero was basically in control for the majority of the match. And then Tanae broke down like the full history with these two as well as the match is going on so he's able to call what he's seeing in the ring naming moves and he's going back and forth telling stories about their past which was incredible ray hit a massive plancher from the top to the outside uh we get a head scissors to eddie flip over the rope into a hurricane rana by ray to eddie which was incredible i don't know if you caught that one yes it was super clean it didn't it, look it was fake at picture all perfect yes it was just picture perfect if you if, if there's a wrestling dictionary and you would put that move into it there would be a picture of Rey Mysterio doing this at this pay-per-view uh, there was a somersault by Rey off the top to Eddie announcers were losing their collective shit during this one like Dusty Rhodes couldn't believe what he was saying he just thought this was the best thing ever and quite rightly so yeah uh, we get Rey springboarding off of the top into a backbreaker by Eddie which looked incredible I don't know how he did it uh, Eddie attempts a crucifix powerbomb off the top rope, but Ray counters into a Frankensteiner pin for the win in 
13.51. It was one of the longer matches on this card. Not the longest, but it was one of the longer ones. Man, I gave this... I was close to giving it 5. I gave it 4.75. I gave this match... Here's here's my thinking. <laughs> Is this match better, for example, than the Penta and Kenny Omega match that we watched two weeks ago at All In? I don't think so. It's I not... don't know if you can compare the two, though, because... Yeah, but th- but here's the thing. I gave that match a four, by the way. Uh, and here's the thing. In, in 1997, like you said, this was brand new, especially to American audience. Like, this was insane. Of course, nowadays we have people doing all kinds of crazy flips. You can see matches like this almost every week on Dynamite. Uh, people doing all kinds of crazy stuff, like Ray Phoenix and, and everything. Uh, but for that time period, this was just... I'm sure it blew everybody's mind. So I'm, I have to give this a four and a half awesome yeah. yeah it's you could give it anywhere from four and a half up to i mean you could give it anything you want really i think yeah. it's it is down to the eye of the beholder of how much you love this match i think yeah. <clears throat> i think there was a lot of nostalgia for me seeing ray in peak condition eddie in peak condition this is like opening up a book and just everything is just perfectly printed on all of the pages and i think these two were just firing in all cylinders i loved this match i thought it was just so so good so yeah. this was the this was the high point of me for this card. I was just on a wave. I was sort of, I just couldn't believe it by the end of the match. I was sort of on the edge of my seat. I thought it was great. And I've seen this match before and I'll probably watch it again. I'll probably, I'll show my kids it. And, um, this was my you know, first right. time watching this match. So, uh, oh, wow, okay. I was, I was very excited. Of course, I've heard countless stories about how great this match is. So I was excited and I honestly lived up to the hype in my opinion. So I think there yeah. you go. Stands the test of time. If you I feel know, you're watching so it in 2021, never seen. I feel so bad for these guys that they're they put on this classic match on this garbage show, <laughs> <laughs> and basically we're just jumping off a cliff. The next segment, and we're never coming back up. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I think though you you raise a sort of you know a good a good point there uh, in that you know you've heard about this match. I can guarantee you, you'd never heard of any other match on this card. You know, I'd be surprised if anyone has ever heard of, um, you know, some of the matches. Maybe Piper versus Hogan, yes, because... I've it's... heard of that one because of the finish. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, okay, so we swiftly moving on, we got Mean Gene plugging the hotline regarding gossip about the click, or a click. He doesn't say who, but a click. Uh you know for for fans you know or people listening that aren't too sure what is a hotline in the 90s they used to have phone lines that you'd phone and mean gene would have like a recording and tell you stuff and it would be wrestling gossip it would be basically like the dirt sheets but mean gene gets paid for it and he just must have been going around backstage asking people for yeah you know rubbish and you think that's all fine and dandy but you have to realize you have to pay money per minute mm-hmm. so it's like a dollar 75 per minute which 25 years ago was probably like seven dollars in today's money so imagine right now <laughs> calling calling somebody paying seven dollars per minute your call probably will take two or three minutes so that's 21 dollars just to hear that like oh there's a rumor that mjf might be coming to wwe next year <laughs> it's such a waste of money it's such a scam 
I can guarantee you, though, if they did it, people would phone it. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I love AEW, but man, the, the fans will buy anything if they printed, you know, up. If people were joking, you know, when Brian, uh, when Danielson uh, debuted and he had the white t shirt, and I heard people were saying they should just sell white, plain white t shirts because then Kenny started wearing a plain white t shirt. And I was like, they're not probably wrong. They could probably sell that. I mean, when Jericho had the. Uh, little bit of the bubbly thing you know when when, uh, aw when he won the belt they were selling plastic rubber uh bottles of little bit of the bubbly as a toy oh really (laughs) we're buying them it was like 30 30 40 dollars something like that it's they will buy anything so if they had a hotline i think especially in america americans are so obsessed (laughs) with like worshiping celebrities they buy anything they people are selling literally bags of air from Justin Bieber and Kanye West concerts <laughs> and it's on eBay for like thousands of dollars it's just ridiculous Jesus wept <sighs> well we go backstage to Hollywood Hogan and Bischoff doing a rambling black and white promo Bischoff says that the environment isn't safe for Hogan so in the only way Hogan's wrestling tonight is if Sting is banned from the arena and my next note just says long, 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 long rambly. This went on for ages, and the story is that even though the match is advertised, Hogan's refusing to wrestle until Sting gets cancelled off this show, even though he's not advertised for this show. Um, they're just scared of Sting. Here's my big question. Okay, I understand if this was on Nitro. On Nitro, you advertise a main event, and then throughout the show. The bad guy is teasing that he's not going to show up. What does that do? It drives the audience to keep watching to see if the main event's actually going to happen or not. This is a pay-per-view. Everyone already paid money for it. They're already watching it. (laughs) No one that is watching this segment is going to say, oh, I should buy the pay-per-view to see what happens. No, because they already bought it. And they're not going to turn it off because they already paid $50 for it. And so this just raises anxiety. So, like, imagine I paid $50 for this main event and now they're telling me it might not happen so for the rest of the show i'm gonna have an anxiety wondering like are they gonna do it or not because i paid my money so they better give me what i paid for <laughs> yeah, I, just I, don't don't under- I don't understand the point of this whole segment and this whole storyline throughout the show yeah this is where it kicks into high gear where the announcers are just obsessed with this storyline that there might not be a main event which will i, I do have notes as, as they mention it, which is quite frequent. Our next match, Mongo McMichael versus Alex Wright. Jesus, I mean, I've never, never wanted to see a Mongo match. I remember Mongo, you know, back in the day. I remember it being absolutely shit. And so, yeah, quite a surprise seeing old Mongo come up with Deborah earlier and seeing him here. Before we talk about this match i want to say something serious about mongo i don't know if you've heard this but a couple months ago he came out with uh severe als or asl is it uh diagnosis which Mm -hmm. basically is a deadly disease where your body just breaks down and your muscles Mm -hmm. break down and i can actually in a way relate to him because i actually have a rare form of muscular dystrophy that i don't really even talk about because it's it's only been discovered in the past 20 years or so and it's not very well uh known so i don't really talk to people about it Mm. um 
But yeah, my body also breaks down and I, my body loses muscle. And thankfully, I'm still able to walk and do my day-to-day activities, unlike Mongo. But um, yeah. it's it's been uh, very devastating for me and, and my family to live with mm-hmm. this. And I'm sure for Mongo, it's the same way. So uh, my heart and my wishes go out to Mongo and his family. And with that said... <laughs> When I saw Mongo come out, I knew that at the at the most this was going to be a two star potential. Unfortunately, his opponent was not Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Daniel Bryan, Chris Benoit, or anyone of that nature. So I knew that this was going to be tough. Yeah, this is uh, this is not great. Um, I, I completely agree. Yeah, it's heartbreaking seeing Mongo now. Um, and certainly not easy, sort of seeing how frail he is compared to how large he was back in, you know, 97 here. Not terribly too long ago. Um, so it is, you know, quite, well, I mean, it's it's a while now, I suppose. But it's it's incredible to sort of see the, the difference in, in, in a person from then to now just because of this disease. So, yeah, 100% and best wishes to, to Mongo. Hopefully he'll uh, he'll pull through or at least, you know, be comfortable um, with, with how he is. I did notice at the start here, he did cast lightning. Did you spot this? Yeah, uh, I heard thunder, <laughs> like random bursts of thunder during people's entrances, and his was the first this is, one. This is, yeah, this is where they start playing the sound effects, but at the same time as the the lightning or the thunder is playing, he is doing a chop in the air, and they play the soundtrack. So it just looks like they're trying to say that he's casting lightning with his hands, which I did, I did chuckle at. So uh, we get Alex Wright out with Deborah. Alex Wright, I was like, what is this weird, strange storyline? Why is she, why is Deborah with Alex Wright? Is she like, is it, is he like a toy boy or something? Because I'm sure Deborah is like in her 30s, but she looks about sort of 40. She has, she's mm-hmm. had a hard life. Um, but it's not, it's because Jeff Jarrett wasn't here. He departed for WWF. <laughs> or at least he departed. So they had to fill the gap with someone and they thought, you know what? Get me that dancing fool over there. He looks perfect. And they got Alex Wright to basically what I call the armpit dance down to the ring. Uh, it's the most... For fans not sure or not familiar with Alex Wright, he is the ultimate meme of like this, I guess, like a wrestler dancing uh, or gif. He's just he's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Are you a fan of the, uh, the Alex Wright farty armpit dance? I actually do like his dance. It's annoying. It's stupid, <laughs> oh, but I just think it's funny. And then seeing everyone in the crowd trying to do it, and they're just <laughs> awful at it. It just makes me laugh every time. And I do like his music. So the, mu- the, <laughs> the music kind of just makes me doing. I'm just doing this the whole time, <laughs> bopping my head. For those who can't see, because me and David are on webcam, but you won't be able to see that on on well, our podcast. Yeah maybe one day maybe we'll, yeah. we'll release the videos one day because i do have them all yeah once we get um, more views so that we can get some revenue going and buy better <laughs> cameras and stuff like that well you never know maybe we'll, we'll do that as a patreon or something someday yeah. we'll see we'll see uh we get raven and the, the the flock still in the crowd uh we get right dancing to the ring just the match <laughs> The match starts in slow motion, <laughs> Mongo slow motion. This is this is the style at the time for Mongo, or just the overall style. It is 
not good. Like Mongo is not a good wrestler. Uh, he's very all. basic. Not not at all. Uh, the announcers, however, only talk about the Hogan versus Piper and NWO during the match. I think it was only at the very end they actually talked about what was happening in the ring. If you turn away from the TV and just listen, you will have no idea that this match was even on the card at all. Because they don't yeah. mention it at all. Yeah, 100%. It is it is kind of ridiculous. Even though the match is terrible, you should be at least paying a little bit of attention. Yeah. Uh, I think we paid more attention to this match than they did, but yeah. that's, that's it. Uh, Alex Wright, I have here, is fairly solid. Uh, fairly solid wrestler and then dot 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 mongo is not <laughs> uh, dusty tries to change the subject to the match which i did note here but then tony immediately changed it back to the nwo uh, mongo hits a tombstone this is the finisher they gave mongo a guy who's green as grass and they were like give that man the tombstone finisher this is perfect for an ex nfl uh there's no i don't know what he was a fullback you... or a quarterback or what I don't know what he was. I don't really know American football. Uh, but you could not pay me enough money to take a t- pile driver from Mongo. There's no way. <laughs> now, to be fair, he did land it and it was pretty, it looked pretty safe. But I mean, hey. Alex Wright was like a six foot, seven, nearly seven foot guy. Like he was really tall. I was quite surprised. I don't remember Alex Wright being that tall, but he was, he was actually taller than, than Mongo, I noted. So even a broken clock is right twice a day. So. <laughs> uh we get we this is where this match just breaks down and i was i was frantically trying to scribble notes here at this stage as we you know the rest of the matches goldberg enters the ring in front of mongo but mongo has to pretend not to see him instead being distracted by deborah who's up on the ring did you see this yeah Just, just that segment where mongo is looking at him who he is just to his right in front of him and still he turns to the left and looks at Deborah. I was and same it with got the, worse. Same with the referee. The referee was actually looking over his shoulder to make sure that Goldberg's doing what he's supposed to. He would look over his shoulder and then pretend to be still getting a Deborah and oh my god, it just, just looks so stupid. If that sounds stupid, it gets worse. Goldberg hits a spear. Set so <laughs> Goldberg hits a spear, which nearly sends them both into the referee mongo has to lift his head off to to stop himself from hitting the referee uh he picks him up jackhammers bump into the ref they actually went into the ref the back of the ref here um pretends not to see goldberg goldberg picks up right puts him on top of mongo and then uh yeah the ref turns around and sees oh what happened here it's the end of the match i didn't hear anything it didn't. It, no, nobody touched me. I, I didn't feel anything. Um, <laughs> this is the weird bit. I didn't understand. Deborah gives Mongo's Super Bowl ring to Goldberg, and Goldberg's just like he's so happy to have this ring. I was like, I don't remember Goldberg's start in WCW being this shit. But well, apparently, this was. I believe this was his very first feud. It was with Mongo, and it was over Mongo's Super Bowl ring. Jeez. Because they're both. And a former NFL players, so yeah. yeah. At the I'm end, a- Goldberg spears uh, spear Jackhammer to right, and my notes here just say somehow, despite this bollocks, Goldberg got over. Not point two five stars. Not even one star. I give this. I give it not point two far two five. This was over in a painful six minutes and thirty one seconds. 
So, here's my rating for those who don't know. <laughs> I don't do quarters uh, like <laughs> David. I just do halves and fulls. For me, a zero would be something like uh, Jarrett versus Hogan at Bash of the Beach. Because that's like a non-match. That was just nonsense. So, that would be a zero. <laughs> Half a star would be something just like completely awful i don't have an example although this is a close one <laughs> but they did do a few moves in this match so i'm gonna give this a one one okay. out of five I, I think that's fair uh yeah, yeah i mean if you weren't gonna I, I think if i wasn't doing these quarter stars i would but the grapple works on a quarter star basis which oh, is why okay. i do them so you okay. can give matches one one and a half one and a quarter one and you know 1.75 okay. whatever you want so yeah i know a lot of uh, people do that but just for me personally it's too confusing for me so i just i like to keep it a little more simple fair enough we go backstage macho man and miss elizabeth are backstage and macho rants about ddp in a classic shouty whispery promo and finishes with snap into it so good seeing Macho I will say on this show although I'm sure he was hurting after the end match oh god yes <laughs> which we'll get into uh, next up we get Disco Inferno versus Jacqueline and <laughs> Disco with his disco theme bopping down to the ring with his 70s moves and Stevie Richards has a sign that says this match is girl versus girl what? I did chuckle at that one. I thought it was kind of witty. Yeah, I almost didn't uh, even recognize Steven Richards. He just looked really odd yeah, in that time period. Yeah, this is, I, I guess, in and around the sort of Blue World Order and stuff yeah. uh, that they went back to do in uh, in, in ECW, I, I think. Uh, the thing I couldn't believe with this, and this is the same as you mentioned earlier with the Alex Wright 40 dance down the ring, people were dancing along with Disco Inferno and having a great old time, so it's like even though I'm going to be really bitter and old about Disco Inferno and just how shitty it is uh, it was kind of amazing to see all these people so happy and it was kind of nice to sort of see, so I will give them a positive note on it's nice to sort of have a little bit of like a silly gimmick, you know uh, we get <laughs> we get ja Miss Jackie coming out next uh, I love Miss Jackie, she's great uh, she's great, I think, overall, like, just solid wrestler for that time period. You know, she was treated as just one of the guys. But she gets pyro. Does Miss Jackie need pyro? I don't know. Maybe because I I don't really know what the storyline with her is, but I believe, judging by her gear, she was associated with Harlem Heat back then. So maybe since they got pyro, she just kind of took over their pyro. But yeah, I don't know. I think that's probably a reach. Sure. Possibly, yeah. I think it was just we have all these boxes of fireworks. What are we going to do with them? Use them on Sunday. Yeah, I, I <laughs> didn't get them out. <laughs> I did notice that she came out to Norman Smiley's music, though. Oh, okay. I'd say I didn't recognize a lot of the music on this show, apart from the big ones. Uh, there's a lot of nonsense at the start of this match and throughout the match. Uh, they take forever to, to actually do anything and it's a very slow start just running around disco was, keeps going in the ring out of the ring this was just insultingly boring yeah it was like a house show like this is the sort of thing i would expect to see at a house show where you know there's they go as long as they go and people are just meant to sort of cheer and jeer at them you know uh there's a drop toe hold to Jackie, which is sort of an accident. Or it's it's a hit. Disco's Disco doesn't want to hit her, so he does drop toe holds and stuff to get out of stuff. Um, almost a ward, wardrobe malfunction, which 
Tony and the guys were sort of very, oh, I didn't, I didn't see that there. And then I think Bobby was just like, let's see a replay of that. <laughs> Bobby uh, the King get... Lawler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. There was lots of running away by Disco in this one. I mean, it just went on and on and on. Finally got a DDT by Jackie. There's a flying crossbody and a pin in the end. Nine minutes and 39 seconds. Nine minutes and 39 seconds. This About nine minutes it. longer than it should have been. Yeah, I don't think we can give minus stars on, on Grapple, um, but I, I, I would give this minus two stars because it was too long, it was full of bollocks, and I didn't enjoy it at all. Although I, 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 I like Jackie, so I, uh, I, I would give Jackie a star. The reason why I gave the previous match one star instead of half a star is because I gave this half a star, and I felt like <laughs> the previous one was a little bit more deserving than this. This was just straight garbage. All I wrote was... I'm bored and annoyed. That's my only note about this match. This was awful. This should not... This, I wouldn't put this on Saturday night or whatever WCW had. Those sea shows. Thunder? Well, th- this uh, isn't Thunderworthy? Well, Thunder was their B show, and then they had Saturday night, I believe, or Worldwide or something like that. Yeah. Oh, geez. God. This, I wouldn't put this anywhere. This is just... This is awful. And you're yeah. teasing... And you're teasing that... You're gonna take away my main event while you're showing me this crap. That's I would be scared watching this if I paid money back in '97. I would not be having fun right now. Yeah, the crowd seemed happy enough, but there was moments where they were sort of getting fed up with it. They you could hear the boos and stuff, and they weren't saying any anything nice to Disco. So uh, I'm sure if you looked very, if you listened very closely, you would hear a few nasty things getting getting chucked at him. Yeah. Uh, Next match, Kurt Hennig uh, representing the NWO uh, as cruiserweight the US champion. champion. Kurt Hennig. Did you notice he was holding the cruiserweight belt? I didn't actually. You didn't know. notice that? That was my reference earlier. No. So apparently, either he lost the US belt or he grabbed the wrong belt backstage. But he came out with the with the cruiserweight championship. And when they're using it Holy throughout shit. the match, it's actually very easy to tell that it's the cruiserweight championship. Wow, well spotted, man. I yeah. didn't spot that at all. Uh, and yeah, Kurt Hennig versus Ric Flair for the US title. <sighs> Hennig, so the storyline is that, yeah, uh, Hennig have always, Hennig and Flair had, a, I mean, they, Hennig finished Ric Flair's run in WWF back in the day. It was the final match and he put uh, Hennig over. So they've sort of had this natural storyline that they can tell, I believe, in WCW uh, when Hennig and, and Flair were sort of around together. Um, and I, I believe that these two guys loved each other. So mm-hmm. Hennig comes out with a cut-off Ric Flair robe, the red, the, the red robe. Um, and the one thing I like is like Flair runs out. So there's a blood feud here. We can tell these two people in storyline hate each other. Flair runs out and just starts chasing Hennig down, and like chopping the absolute life out of him. So it was good to sort of see. Like a lot of times you'll see like when somebody's got a blood feud, they'll come out and they'll have a straight wrestling match and it'll be like suplexes and all that sort of stuff. It's like, no, if you hit somebody, you run out and you grab them and you just trail them around the place and bait the absolute bollocks out of them. So it was kind of kind of cool seeing that. Uh, I guess it's just the, the veteran sort of, uh, you know, the veteran sort of mentality there. Uh, not long after... Uh, Flair manages to grab his robe off Hennig and then he does a wee strut in the ring the commentators immediately start talking about Hulk Hogan of course uh, of course yeah 
Hennig uh, and, and Rick go back and forth uh, from st- some stiff clotheslines from Hennig to Flair. Hennig attempts to hit Flair with a chair on his leg against the post. Flair fights back, turning the match. Hennig attempts to leave with his belt, but Flair runs him down. And all through this match, the announcers keep talking about Hogan is my next note. <laughs> uh, this was this is the, the sort of point where I was re- I was really starting to notice like they're not talking about the match and it's Ric Flair in the ring and yeah. Kurt Hennig you'd sort of expect a little bit more respect especially from Bobby Heenan who's a you know a, a Flair mark I would say you know um, Hennig's brought back to the ring where he takes control makes uh, and makes to hit Flair with a move onto the belt Flair counters and hits a delayed vertical suplex which was great uh, they don't land on the belt, but the ref makes no moves to remove it from the ring. The ref is staring at this belt in the middle of the ring, doesn't move it, doesn't do anything with it. Um, then the ref complains to Flair as Flair lays the belt in the middle of the ring before wrapping it around Hennig, who he has put into the tree of row, tree of woe. He stomps the belt into Hennig's face for the DQ, of course, and the NWO run out to take Hennig away as Flair beats up referees. 13 minutes and 57 seconds it just felt like a waste of time this match and although i liked it i only gave it one star really okay wow i didn't like it at all i really didn't like it because Um, this was the kind of flare booking i hate which is basically we're not going to give you a finish we're just going to dq and that's the end of it i didn't really like this match either but i did feel like this was the first match of the night where there was actually some heat and like i could tell mm. flair just wanted to murder uh, kurt hennig so that felt i like that aspect of it that it felt pretty real that they hated mm-hmm. each other uh the match itself was nothing special very average and the finish was a dq which is unacceptable especially at a pay-per-view so i give it two and a half average okay that's not too much out of me one star i don't feel as bad now you can tell i was I was like, there's no way I'm going to be as generous for this pay-per-view. Yeah, I, I would, think <laughs> I have a feeling with WCW pay-per-views, I'm always going to be a little bit more generous than you. <laughs> there is nostalgia, so I will say nice yeah. things about the, the, the presentation, shall we say. So, I, again, I agree with you. I think Hennig and Flair's sort of ferocity in the ring and the sort of uh, intensity that they brought was great. I love that. Yeah. But the match itself was nothing special and... The DQ finish on a pay-per-view is just, as you say, it's not acceptable. Uh-huh. We go backstage. Macho Man is sitting at the internet desk. JJ <laughs> uh, Dillon is then interviewed out by ringside or out on the, the entrance ramp. And, you know, what we haven't actually talked about is the, the actual entranceway and the, the oh, sort yeah. of stage. I, I have to say, I love this. It's- I think it's one of the best-looking pay-per-view sort of arenas, setups or stages that you've got that, that, that they ever had. Yeah, one thing you gotta give credit to WCW. They all, around, especially around this time period, their stages were just amazing. Some of the most classic, most memorable stages ever. This and the following years, Halloween Havoc, are just some of the best. Absolutely, I do have a few things to say about the stage, the the the, uh, the quality of the stage design yeah, pieces. I have, I have uh, some things on. to say too, but yeah, later on. <laughs> uh, JJ Dillon is interviewed by Gene about the cage match and whether or not it's actually going to going to go ahead. So we've had the announcers harping on about it for ages, and now we've even got Main Gene interviewing JJ Dillon, who is sort of the, the figurehead, I guess, of WCW at this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Bischoff comes out and he tells Dylan he doesn't have the stroke. To, he keeps saying, you don't have the stroke, you don't have the stroke, you don't have the stroke. And it was like, Jesus, man, just stop saying that. Uh, he doesn't have the stroke to make this happen, even though Jeans just told everyone Dylan definitely has. Like, he is the WCW, I guess, like, pr- uh, like head of WCW or president yeah, he's like or something. like the president or something, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so our next match immediately begins shortly after Larry Zabisco is the special ref for the, next, for the next one who comes out first and we have Scott Hall with six versus Lex Luger one little fun piece of trivia Larry Zabisco came out to Mark Merrow's WWF song which is really oh, okay. strange they must have they must have dubbed it over or something perhaps um, I think it was actually like one of those royalty free songs so I guess anyone could use it Oh, okay. I actually do think this was legit. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Um, we get Luger. Well, Hall comes out first with six, of course. But Luger comes out and he gets all the pyro. All of it. <laughs> he just he got like his own Fourth of July in the background going on here. This is ridiculous. Oh, well, he was an American hero. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The Lex Express was in full effect tonight. Um. We get uh, Scott Hall in the ring. He flicks his toothpick at into Larry's face, and Luger basically takes this opportunity to deck Hall as he's distracting himself. Uh, this is sort of the story of this match: is that there's this animosity between Scott Hall and Larry Zabisco, and that plays into, I guess, the finish. Yeah. Uh, Luger and Hall get broken up by Larry multiple times at the start. There's arm ringers by both. Slow start. I've got noted here. Hall calls for a test of strength, and of course hits a cheap shot and even a child in the crowd I noted this child in the crowd shouted don't do it or something along those lines and then he just, he just knew I mean when a hit when a bad guy offers his hand in any kind of shape or form in the ring you don't do anything but of course this is the 90s so maybe it was a bit more acceptable that you know at that stage mm-hmm. uh, we get the announcers talking about previous matches while Luger's Luger powers out of a rear chin lock there's comical selling by Scott Hall I think he was hit with an atomic drop and then proceeded to sort of, like, um, it was like he was jogging on the spot and clutching his his butt like he was like, like he'd been shot in the bomb or something. It was. He was completely overselling it. <laughs> yeah. um, Zabisco has none of his none of Hall's shit. Is my next <laughs> note. I'm not too sure in what context. I've just read Zabisco's not having any of his shit. Uh, there's a follow-away slam by Hall to Luger, a long sleeper hold by Hall to, to, to Luger. Luger backdrops Hall to get out. Uh, and I have this. I have a note here. I forgot I wrote this. I remember Hall being better than this. I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was, but I had this magical sort of notion in my head that Scott Hall was really good and everything he does is is going to be money because obviously he was at one stage the WCW world champion but not this match I think that you during this match you you were like me all those sleeper holes actually had more effect on me than the opponent and I fell asleep (laughs) and I think you were the same you were half asleep writing this maybe you were dreaming (laughs) absolutely yeah Uh, Zabisco ducks a punch by Hall sending him to the outside Bischoff is out and gets a kick off the ropes by Larry uh, Luger makes his comeback, but while Larry is distracted, Six hits Luger in the back of the head, in quotation marks. Uh, Razor's Edge, outs- slash Outsider's Edge by Hall, reluctant count by Larry for the pin. Uh, and then we get Larry asks to see, to see the replay after the match, and it shows Six 
missing with a kick to Luger. Basically, he hits his hair. Yeah. As it sort of it gently parts his hair. This kick it doesn't actually hit anywhere near him, but we get a nice sort of uh, uh, hair flick by by uh, by Luger here, and then Larry restarts the match. Uh, Hall shoves Larry. Larry shoves Hall right into Luger, who racks him up. The bell rings as if Hall had quit, but six interferes. I've got in brackets here late question mark almost a triangle slash armbar by Larry to to six. Um, and then he hits him into a guillotine uh, choke, but Bischoff gives Larry a nice solid kick to the face. This was this is probably the the realest move in this match. And then Hall holds Larry while Bischoff karate kicks Zabisco to the head. <laughs> Spooky laughing plays while the NWO theme plays. One star, thirteen minutes and two seconds. What did you oh, overall man. think of this match? I, I was feel ver- exhausted after I was... just describing it. <laughs> After the previous two matches, I was, or the previous three matches, I was basically done with this show. Uh, <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to get anything good in, in the future, but uh, this match was just so boring. So many rest holds and sleeper holds, and then nonsense. If Scott Hall is swinging at Larry, even though he ducked, why is that not a DQ? That should have been a DQ. Yeah. And then. Oh, if he if Larry can look at the replay, why can't the other refs look at the replay and restart <laughs> the match? It, there is no consistency. This whole match, he felt like it was Larry versus uh, Scott Hall, and Luger was just there, like he was a non-factor almost. Eh, one and a half stars. I don't like this match. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, this was pretty bad. I have to be honest with you. We get a promo for the next pay-per-view in November, which is World War Three, uh, And then we get Dave Penzer introducing the next match, which is a Las Vegas sudden death match. While a bunch of drunk lads mug into the camera. <laughs> there was, They had the right idea. This is the WCW rule that if you're going to attend a WCW pay-per-view, you, you have to be smashed. Um <laughs> And I'm pretty sure there was a lot of drunk people in this crowd, judging by the faces and dancing and all sorts. Uh, we th- this match is basically a, a DQ last, uh, no DQ uh, last man standing. Now remember, they do yep. mention there's no DQ in this match, mm-hmm. so just just keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, sorry, we we've got. Um, yeah, so out, out, out next. This is Macho Man versus uh, with Elizabeth versus DDP. I should mention in the Las Vegas Street Street Fight. Uh, Macho gets his own "Oh Yeah" version of the NWO theme, which is they just basically insert Macho Man saying "Oh Yeah" over the top of it. I, I actually like that. I like how at least the high caliber NWO members they have kind of their own unique little noises throughout yeah. the song. I agree. I think that's kind of nice to sort of customize a very sort of generic theme music. Apart from that. Is it as good as the NWO B teams music though? The sort of biddly guitar theme that they I hate have? the B team song. It's just <laughs> Oh, come on now, it's amazing. It's it's the best. It's the A theme, I think. I, I don't like it. <laughs> the A theme okay. is the Wolfpack theme, in my opinion, but I'm a hip hop fan, so that might be subjective. Okay, yeah. I mean I didn't like the end of the, the Wolfpack theme, I have to be honest with you. Okay. So uh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna say that the b team's the best yeah uh 
We've got uh, DDP coming down. He's got his ribs taped. He was attacked back. He was attacked and you know brutally savaged by uh, by Macho. Uh, Savage taunts uh, Page and DDP does a huge jump over the, the the top of the rope to the ground, blocks a punch and decks Savage. They brawl around ring slide, ringside. Um, Savage and DDP go back and forth in the ring, uh, both getting stomped down at various stages. Macho hits a classic double axe off the top to the outside to DDP. He throws DDP into the section of Raven. This doesn't impact the match whatsoever. Nobody attacks DDP, even though they just chucked him into a bunch of wrestlers. You'd think, okay, here's where Raven's going to get involved, because obviously Raven and DDP had a a feud at some stage. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Not a thing happens here to, to, to old DDP. He just gets chucked into them. Uh, they fight down through the crowd towards the entrance. One lad in the audience decides to pull his top off and show his his, his chest off, his gut. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was I really weird. It, it was like he was flexing in front of Macho Man, and Macho Man was having none of these people. He was just shouting, get out of my way. I think somebody and they quickly told, dispersed. I think somebody told that guy something, because he, as soon as he took off his shirt and started flexing, then he started like kind of looking around as if someone told him something. So maybe they were telling him to put his shirt back on or something. I don't know. Or just laughing at him. But yeah, yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that alcohol was involved in that decision to remove your top on on pay per view. Very likely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Savage gets sent through. A, oh, hold on. So they they're brawling through the crowd. That all happens. They get DDP ends up over the top of the barrier, and now they're by the entrance ramp. So the, the entrance sort of, and it's a flat. There's no stage. It's all flat. It's ground level. So you've got this big skull in the background, which looks great. Yeah. Um, and you've got uh, tombstones built dotted everywhere, as they did every Halloween Havoc. Uh, Savage gets sent through a polystyrene tombstone and a polystyrene coffin, which Tony identified as a box. Dusty loses his mind as DDP clocks Savage with something that sh- <laughs> that shatters. And his qu- a quote here, he says... He wobble-legged him. And he says it over and over again. I can't believe he wobble-legged him. Looked like a tray or something. Or like a plate. Yeah, it was like a hostess tray or something. Yeah. But the funny, the funniest bit in this match I have noted here. I love this, this next bit. DDP leans on a tombstone which breaks. And then he goes to lean on a bench. And guess what? It too is polystyrene. So it breaks as well. I... I- Howled with laughter at this. I saw that. Because... I was laughing too because I wasn't sure. I was like, "Are they just try? Is DDP just trying to like destroy as much of the set as possible so they can say, <laughs> oh, look how devastating this fight was'? Or was he really just trying to like catch a breather?' But <laughs> it, it kept failing him. It was just the fact that he leaned on one, it snapped in his hand, and it was almost like he couldn't believe it. So then he went to lean on something else, and it too broke. Uh, I don't know if you've you've ever seen uh, Only Fools and Horses. Uh, no. It's a UK sitcom comedy slash thing. I'll have to send you a clip. But basically, there's a scene in, in Only Fools and Horses where this car- the main character, Del Boy, uh, is chatting to his mate, Trig, and he's sort of trying to look sort of cool for all these ladies in the bar and stuff. And then he goes to lean backwards, and the barman's lifted the bar, the, the, the sort of the bar hatch. So he just basically goes sailing through it. And that's sort of i don't know it reminded me of that anyway so i'll have to send you the link okay uh, but great british uh, sort of sitcom i guess uh so they fight back to ringside savage throws page into the steps with uh, page prone in the ring savage uh, manhandles a camera a cameraman ripping the camera from his grip 
uh, Paige boots the camera up into Savage's face uh, and Tony says as they discuss the camera scene that this camera costs $100,000 did he I say that? I didn't catch he that said, he said he stopped he was he was so he stopped I think at one stage he was that costs stopped and then he says $100,000 and I stopped in my tracks when he said that. I couldn't believe Tony had the audacity to say that there's a camera at that stage. I mean, I know technology was expensive back then, but come on now, a hundred grand is a bit yeah, much. Maybe like. ten thousand. Yeah, I think it was just sort of WCW and WWF at the time. They were just constantly trying to one up each other, so they were sort of they would always inflate the figures of what they were making or inflate the figures of who was in attendance. And I think this is Tony doing the same thing, except it just sounded stupid. Yeah. Uh, so Elizabeth clocks the ref with a plastic tray. She chokes DDP with a like a TV cable. Uh, then Kimberly runs down, trails Liz to the back by the by the hair. Both man. Both men back up big punches and an atomic drop by Paige. Macho holds onto the ropes as DDP tries the diamond cutter, which is kind of interesting. You know, there's not a lot of people that would actually counter the, the diamond cutter. And El Macho here managed to just... It looked a bit clunky and awkward, but it did make sense. And uh, the the only thing that I didn't understand was DDP started to sell it afterwards. So he misses the diamond cutter, trails Macho down to his knees, and then... He ends up selling on the the mat, which is really well, weird. It's like know. a leg drop. If you hit it, you're fine. If you miss it, it hurts you. Okay, solid yeah. logic there. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, Savage goes to the top and hits an elbow drop. Uh, Savage makes a uh, or DDP. Uh, oh no! So Savage goes. So they're both down on the the ground. This is where it sort of gets a bit confusing. So he hits the elbow drop. They're both down, uh, and then. Savage makes it back up on his feet before 10, so like 8 or something like that. And then the ref starts to count again. Yeah, that was weird. I, I caught that too. He basically started to count over for the other guy. Yeah, so he initially starts counting for both men, I guess, and then stops when Savage gets up and then counts again, which is weird because it doesn't happen later when both men are down. Uh, there's a body slam by Savage to Page. There's you know the one thing I'll say about this match like the selling was incredible by yeah. these two this was like a master class in selling if you want to see two people selling moves this was great punches look great body slams look great elbow drops look great slightly bizarre selling maybe from the, the diamond cutter for me but overall I thought the selling was really really good top notch there's the big time elbow drop I guess you would say you know where he points up in the air by Savage off the top uh, Page just about makes the count uh, Savage with a knee to his, his back uh, picks up Paige on the rebound. Ref gets cleaned by Paige's uh, feet. Uh, diamond cutter to Savage, which looked great. Uh, so as he sort of swings DDP round to sort of body slam him, Paige ends up clocking the ref in the head and then swings off of Savage, turns him round, hits the diamond cutter. I thought it was a great little sort of combo. Uh, both men make it up after this diamond cutter because, again, they're both exhausted, so they're selling the effects of it. Uh, but Savage hits a low blow. Fake Sting clocks Paige with a bat, while Macho distracts the ref distracts the referee in a no DQ match. Uh, th- this is the when I said at the start. They said at the start this was a no DQ match, so anything goes. And of course, we had Kimberly running out and Miss, El- Miss Elizabeth getting involved. But for some reason, they have to distract the ref, which was just totally bizarre, bonkers. 
2.25 stars, 18 minutes and 7 seconds is how long this went for. What did you think overall? I give this 3 out of 5. Maybe I gave it such a high score because it was just a breath of fresh air after the previous 3 or 4 matches. Uh, I thought (laughs) it was a pretty decent street fight again. uh, Nowadays we get much crazier, much more violent, more eventful street fights. But maybe back then it was kind of a bit more edgy. Uh, I'm not sure. But um, I love Diamond Dallas Page. I, I'm a big fan of him as a person and as a wrestler. And he always looks mm-hmm. like he's been through a war <laughs> in every match. <laughs> like you, you mentioned their selling. And his selling is very good. He always looks like... It's very easy to kind of cheer for him. Because he always comes off as an underdog. Even though he's kind of a big guy. But he always looks like he just been through hell. And he's fighting with his last breath and it's just it just makes him very easy to cheer for so yeah uh three stars yeah i think that's 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 fair and yeah i mean it's a lower star written for me again uh it's just very long this match i think this could have been a lot shorter i think there was just too much bollocks and i think the polystyrene (laughs) yeah polystyrene accessories just really turned this into a bit of a joke at one stage so yeah, uh, one thing I want to say about this stage, when uh, we, we discussed this earlier, is that it's very beautiful and impressive and memorable, but like when they started going into those tombstones, you could tell, like, oh, it's just like some styrofoam on a black sheet. It's like n- nothing even to it. <laughs> very, yeah. very basic. And, uh, and I think as well, the sort of ending, you know, was a bit disjointed and, you know, fake sting coming out, which the, the announcers, I don't know if you caught this, but they said it was Hogan. Yeah, they said, judging by his boots, it was Hogan. Which I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Probably um, not. Hogan, no. He's, he got no he, he time He wouldn't need that. to do that. He would yeah. just get somebody else. You, I mean, uh, maybe they were just trying to amp up the, the it, Hogan Piper. It was probably Vincent or Virgil, whatever his name was at the time. Yeah, and it could be anyone, really. Any of the the jobbers, I guess. Um, Commentators stall for time, I've noted here. Um, And then finally, this is it, dude. This is the the big one. Michael Buffer gets paid to introduce this match and says, if there is a survivor. This is how serious Michael Buffer's taken this match. He says, if there's a survivor. This was, uh, I mean, I forget how much Michael Buffer was paid, but he was paid a lot of money for this. I don't quote me on this, but I believe it's a hundred thousand per show. Quite possibly, yeah. I do have a hundred, two hundred thousand in my head. So, and I yeah. never liked his announcing because he just, like you said, he just blows it way out of proportion with how he's typing this up. I remember mm-hmm. every time he would announce Lex Luger, he would say, "The master of the torture rack of doom." And I'm like, yeah, I didn't like that either. Jesus I think Christ, just, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> absolutely. Do you know what I think AEW need to do though? They need to get, especially now that they've got American Top Team feuding with Jericho and the uh, the Inner Circle, they need to get Bruce Buffer in to do a little announcement because yeah, and would, he can do his whole 360 spinning in the ring and doing all that sort of pizzazz. I think it'd be great. I wouldn't mind a, a one-off or. Special yeah. appearances, that would be kind of cool, yeah. Yeah, because Bruce, you know, they're obviously, you know, brothers. Um, yeah. Long, long lost brothers, I believe. Um, but the uh, I think that'd be kind of a nice nod to WCW without having to, you know, pay Michael Buffer to come out of retirement, and I'm sure, and uh, paying him astronomical amounts of money just to talk. Yeah. Um, so this is it. Hollywood Hogan 
versus Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, we get Hogan strutting to the ring. Uh, and the first thing I noticed here was... So this is a cage match, as they've been sort of saying throughout the night. This is going to be a cage match. This is the jankiest looking cage I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't know if I've ever seen a bad looking... Like, this is the worst. I mean, I didn't like the TNA cage, the red cage. Oh, yeah. Um, which was basically just like, like a resprayed WCW or slash WWF cage, the blue cage. Mm-hmm. This is the worst looking... This looked like, they, like it had been knocked together in, like, workshop class at the local college. Like, it was it was terrible. Like, yeah, it, it was, was so very rickety. Flimsy. Yeah. And we get uh, Piper coming out next uh, with Hogan's World Championship, which is still sprayed with the NWO because Hulk Hogan is the you know the forever champion at this stage uh, Hogan immediately starts to try and leave while Piper watches from the ring Hogan climbs up the dodgy cage as it's rattling Piper Piper bites Hulk Hogan right up his hole is my next note it's hard to miss uh, his thought... his his face went up his his hole. <laughs> I have something to say about this. Okay, please well, do. Well, funny enough, you know how on AEW, the Young Bucks and Adam Cole, they do their spot where Adam Cole is doing the camel clutch to somebody, and the Young Bucks they run up to him and they kiss him on the cheek, and that's kind of their <laughs> douchey taunt. Okay, and. All over YouTube and Twitter, people have been complaining and saying, like, how gay this is and, like, how this shouldn't be on a wrestling show and, like, back in Hogan's Day and Warrior's Day, this would never <laughs> fly. I actually had someone tell me that on YouTube. They said, back in Hogan's Day and Warrior's Day, you would never see stuff like that. The very next day, I watched this show and I see Hogan just getting his booty eaten out on live TV. <laughs> Like you said, Piper, it wasn't just like a bite on the cheek or anything. He was, it was a reverse Rikishi stink face. Instead of <laughs> instead of Hogan pushing his ass in your face, you put your face in his ass. It. it I don't was know what. So weird. How did they come up with? It wasn't for comedy. It doesn't look like it because this was like a blood feud. You know, they hate each other. So. Yeah, like Piper was. Or- he was really intense at the start of this, and I was, oh, okay, Roddy's, you know, he's ripped, he's looking great. Yeah, and, and this is like the first all of move s- of the match. This this was like, this was the, I really did have to sort of, I stopped everything I was doing, like, and I rewound it to see, did I just see that? Because I, I was glancing at my notes, I look up, his face and his nose have disappeared into Hogan's, between Hogan's cheeks, and I just couldn't believe it. I was like, I have to, is oh, this, is this gosh. happening? Uh, it did happen. More biting, uh, comical selling by Hogan from from this. Um, there's more comical selling by Hogan from an atomic drop by Roddy. There's a low blow by Piper as Hogan climbs up the uh, the cage. Have I missed a bit? There was more biting. Yeah, he bit I'm him pretty sure there was, times. Yeah, he he bit him. Maybe it's later, but he did bite him on the back and then on the top of the head. I'm pretty sure not long after this, but maybe I'm missing it. Uh, yeah, they fight to the outside of the door. Piper gets a door to the face. So they're out. So they start. This isn't long after the match starts. They're in this cage. Nobody's locked this cage. Like this isn't, you know, 
there is no point to the cage. The cage is meant to keep people either in because the feud is so hot, or keep them out so nobody can interfere in the match. These two, these two fuckers just walk outside the, the door. The door, the referee's just like, oh come on. He's actually waving Hogan out at one stage. He's like, come on, the cage is the cage door is open. The match doesn't end. It's like, what? There, there's no. There's nothing here. Actually, Hogan walks outside. And just to mention, they made this cage, like you said, so that no one gets out and no one interferes. And more specifically, so that Sting doesn't interfere. But does this cage have a roof? No, it does not. And where does Sting come from? The rafters. So this cage is completely pointless. It was, yes. Absolutely pointless. Uh, Yeah, Piper gets a door to the face multiple times. Fake Sting stops Hogan from leaving, and this confused the absolute life out of me. So then I started thinking, oh, okay, so Hogan's playing the long game here. So he's faking that he's scared by fake Sting, so that Piper thinks that it's the real Sting, or at least that this Sting is on his side. But it never comes into play. It was really weird, and because we'd have had the attack on DDP earlier in the night by fake sting i was left just scratching my head by this going what is the point of this fake sting it went even more bananas but we'll get to that um back inside the cage both fight to the top while another sting appears both men climb gently down hogan whips piper with the weights belt slaps the shit out of him and then actually climbs out of the cage and i have in brackets here door i have no idea why he doesn't go out the door. He climbs over this 30-foot cage to the outside. Uh, Hogan and Piper... Piper basically gets up. By the time Hogan's got to the top of the thing, Piper's up and he climbs up. And they start brawling at the top of this cage, just straddled with you know a leg on either side of this cage. More stings appear in the crowd. Back in the ring, because uh, they've now climbed down. <laughs> Back in the ring, Hogan gloms Piper with the World Championship, which is, I think Tony said, he's glommed him. It was really weird. Uh, there was a leg drop, leg drops by Hogan. Piper kicks out. Hogan calls for help. Savage runs out. The cage door can be seen on the heart on the camera. It is wide open. Savage climbs to the top of this legit like 30 foot cage and jumps off with a double axe handle and misses but they sell it that Hogan, they sell it like Hogan's been hit by the thing this dude literally leaped off and landed on his feet and looked like he had destroyed his hips and his knees it was horrific i actually let out a holy shit well, i was watching it i couldn't i was stunned by this this stupidity of this so for those who haven't seen this uh, hopefully i can explain this well but the cage actually doesn't go on the edge of the ring it goes on the outside of the ring kind of like a hell in the snow mm. And Hulk and Savage jumps from the corner of the cage into the ring from like the turnbuckle position, and he almost hits the turnbuckle. And the thing is, this cage is so wobbly. When he jumped off and pushed off, instead of actually jumping up, he basically just pushed the cage away from his legs and just kind of fell down. And he could have just he could have killed himself if if he was just like a foot shorter. On that turnbuckle, this was just such a pointless and scary spot, and it looked awful because he completely missed 
everything. Yeah, this this is the I think the epitome of a jumping nothing. This was absolutely yeah. nothing. It just didn't go anywhere. There was no point for it. It was incredibly dangerous. You know, Savage, I'm not sure what age he was, but he was probably 45, 46. I think he was a little bit older, maybe 45, 46 maybe at this time. Just frightening. Um, Piper puts Hogan in a sleeper and Hogan doesn't answer the, the referee's, uh, you know, the arm drop three count business. Uh, so Piper wins. And then immediately afterwards, Macho attacks Piper. Hogan clocks Piper. Uh, chucks a fake sting out of the ring that's got in for some reason, though doesn't really do anything. That's never explained what this fake sting is doing in the ring. Uh, and they handcuff Piper to the, the cage. The crowd chants for Sting, as they would, because they've been teased all night that Sting's not going to be here. Sorry, folks, Sting's not coming tonight. <laughs> Spoiler alert. And then we get this surreal moment where a fan... Now, I did put in brackets because I couldn't... I couldn't find any information. This seems to be an actual fan, like, this, this next bit. I'm not sure if it was, but he'd been sitting by ringside. I did rewind it, and he was the one that was sitting by ringside and was hurling abuse at wrestlers as they went past. And he was talking to somebody at ringside who was not, like, part of the company, seemingly. And he wasn't sitting with Raven, so... This fan jumps the barricade, climbs to the top of the cage, uh, and as he gets down, and this is the bit where I think it wasn't an actual wrestler, because fake Sting has to basically get off his ass and stop this guy and he tackles him to the side of the cage so completely going outside of character I guess for fake sting because fake sting had done nothing at the stage also fake sting's <laughs> mask and hair flew off like minutes yes, before this it was weird it was I mean they were using uh, when you see the amount of fake stings they were using everyone from backstage it was really weird it was just all these different like some were tall some were tall some were short it just it made no sense whatsoever so yeah there was tons of different wrestlers um, Hogan and Macho basically beat the fuck out of this guy is my next note they beat the absolute bag out of this guy uh, and then security take the fan away and that is how the pay-per-view ends that is literally how this pay-per-view ends is a fan getting beaten up which I think is some kind of like metaphor for the whole of this pay-per-view is that the fans are the ones that got beat by this this, this card because it just it started off hot like it started off like a rocket and then it just quickly fizzled out and just didn't explode it just fell to the ground and it started raining and that was the end of it uh i give this match two stars i give it slightly higher than oh. i was uh i was willing and the only reason i gave it two stars was because i was <laughs> i was entertained by like two or three moments in this match and i was left baffled and i honestly was laughing at the end of this match when it just went that was it went to credits the credits started rolling and i started laughing i was like this is what they this is what they gave us for this this pay-per-view main event well i couldn't believe it and in quotes here i've said the end lol <laughs> this was 13 minutes and 37 seconds of your life you're never getting back andre well, what do you think if, of this if you think the ending of this halloween havoc is bad just wait till next year Oh God! Uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to re we'll have to rethink we'll anymore. Someday, <laughs> uh, maybe one day. Here's what I wrote about this match: Hogan got his ass ate, which we already talked about. <laughs> and then I wrote, "How do you win this match?" Because I wasn't I, for a long time. There was no referee <laughs> in the ring, so obviously no pinfalls. 
when they escaped the cage, obviously that wasn't a win also. So I was confused at how you win the match. Sting's wigs are horrible. That's what I wrote. <laughs> Every time they showed a new Sting, the wigs are worse and worse. Savage blew my knees out with that jump. <laughs> Savage with the Shane McMahon punches on Piper. When Piper was cuffed oh, wow. in the cage, did you notice that? Those punches were just awful. And I wrote, the fan stuff is stupid. I also did some research about this, and I couldn't really find anything definitive either, but I actually read some stuff that it was a plant. And okay. this, the evidence for that, they, that this poster backed up with, is that, like, the punches that Hogan was throwing at the fan were worked, uh -huh. and they weren't really real. And also, they focused oh, okay. way too much on the fan. And also, they said... Um, the WCW kind of embraced fan interaction like this, which was foolish. Uh -huh. But at the time, they kind of encouraged like throwing garbage in the ring and stuff like that. So they mm -hmm. they just said for them it was kind of typical. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that fan was a plant or a real fan. And I maybe we'll never know. Maybe we've got to listen to Eric Bischoff's podcast. Maybe he mentions that somewhere. Uh, but I give oh god, this, I don't, yeah. I give this one and a half stars because, like you said, this. I wouldn't even call it a match. It was just... It was definitely a show. It was a spectacle of, of its own kind. It had some entertaining moments. And of course, Hogan loses, which is rare, but of course it wasn't for the title. Why would you have a world champion at a pay-per-view in a main event and the title's not on the line? That doesn't make any sense. Okay, so for that one, I think that there was a contract involved in this match. And... I think it was Roddy Piper who came up with the contract and Roddy Piper decided not to make it for the championship which makes no it makes no sense whatsoever because I remember reading in the uh, death of WCW book it was brought up specifically that this made no sense whatsoever and they would later do it with uh, Warrior as well when Ultimate Warrior came back and came into WCW it just made no sense it just seemed to be for Hogan to get his win back because I believe after this one he did beat Piper and even though Hogan lost here he immediately started beating up Piper so you completely forget that Ho that Piper actually won the match yeah. mere, mere seconds before he was beaten down and then handcuffed to a, to a wall uh, just bizarre the whole the whole thing was bizarre this this was a this was a a, a a card of one match or two matches including the first one uh, just not great overall. You can skip this entire pay-per-view and just watch match one, uh, you know, Nagata and, and Dragon, and you can uh, watch Ray and, and Mysterio, and you'll have a, a Ray and uh, Eddie, and you'll have a great old time. I think it's it's worth worth those two matches, which you'll probably get on YouTube, so yep. do that instead. Uh, so, yeah, the only thing then we've got to, uh, I guess, tidy up is uh, what's our next episode? So you can introduce what's the next one we're going to be watching, Andre. Okay, so the next review that we're going to do is, since it's November, we're going to do ECW November to Remember 1999. I've never seen it. I've never really seen much of ECW at all except for a few shows. So I'm excited to see this. It's going to be, I have a feeling it's going to be pretty different from All In and from Halloween Havoc. So... I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, maybe we'll get to see uh, a, a, a different version of Taz, certainly at the stage, I think, as well. I think he's on that card. So uh, yeah. looking forward to it. Okay, well, uh, that just about wraps us up. So uh, it's uh, goodbye from me. Uh, I 
you can follow me at Lostro. You can follow us at WrestleBlast. And for yourself, Andre? Yeah, I'm just promoting WrestleBlast. I don't really have any of my own content. So WrestleBlast podcast on Spotify, Twitter, YouTube. Check out our YouTubes. Putting a lot of hard work in there. So a lot of time consuming. Say, I'm looking forward to seeing that gameplay footage. <laughs> yeah, so it's fun. It's better matches than what we watched on Halloween Havoc. So... <laughs> Absolutely. All right, then. All right, that's it. Break wraps us up. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye. We'll be facing danger every step of the way. We'll be facing disempowerment every step of the way. We'll be facing death every step of the way. And. Beat me if you can, Bigelow. Survive. I'll let you. For I am the quintessential stud muffin, and a goodness gracious. Great balls of fire! I didn't get to climb a ladder to the top in WCW like this. Team Dewey. Team Dewey. Dewey Foley is a three-year-old boy. You sick son of bitches! This ain't Monday Night Raw! This ain't SmackDown! This ain't even WWE!